Hello and welcome to episode 118 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today is an exciting day on the podcast. Uh, For the first time in a long time, uh, we have an interview. I interviewed the one and only Justin Mason uh, for today's show, just to learn a little bit about uh, Justin's start in the industry, you know, some of the projects he's working on, uh, some of just the incredible he's, work he's done building um, websites like Fans with Fantasy Benefits and TGFBI. So it's fun to talk with him about that and also discuss a little bit of process. But I think most importantly, uh, there's really some incredible um, strategic revelations in this podcast about Justin Mason as a private investigator of his competitors in his fantasy baseball leagues and also some revolutionary desserts that are coming out of the Mason household. So you definitely don't want to miss this one. Uh, you can reach uh, Justin on Twitter at Justin Mason FW uh, FB. I want to make sure that I got that one right. Yes, Justin Mason FWFB. You can reach me on Twitter at BatflipCrazy. If you enjoy this interview, if you enjoy the podcast, please do uh, give a rating and review. Uh, we are uh, we are adding them like crazy. Uh, as I mentioned, my goal before we hit the start of the season is to get to 200, and we are pretty close. Um, and it really does help uh, get the podcast in front of more people, so really, really appreciate that. Without further ado, though, here is Justin Mason uh, interview on the podcast. Let's get this party started. Welcome to the Batflip Crazy Podcast, Justin. How you doing? I'm doing well. I I'm, I'm excited. Like this is uh, this is a podcast I've never been on. It's one of the ones I listen to when it comes out every week, and uh, I've really enjoyed the the uh, you know the addition of Bubba. Uh, on your guys' kind of tandem pods, and but uh, I've, I've been a big fan of yours since uh, you've kind of come into the industry, so this is uh, this is really fun for me. Absolutely, yeah, and it's awesome to have you here. I know I've mentioned a few times, but uh, you've given me a ton of opportunities within the fantasy industry from TGFBI and BARF and just promoting my stuff early on, so always appreciate that. Um, and also for folks who don't know, uh, Justin Mason, which I assume is very, very few, uh, all of, all of the egg, uh, avatars on my Twitter, probably, um, (laughs) they, uh, so Justin writes and does and produces, uh, an amazing amount of content within the industry. He's on sleeper in the bust with Paul Sporer over at, uh, Rotographs. He writes for Rotographs. Uh, friends with fantasy benefits. He runs TGFBI. He also runs Barf. What else am I missing, Justin? And what you're up to? I think that's about it now. I, I was doing other stuff, but uh, my life is also full with you know two kids, a, a you know bigger one and a little one, and uh, you know, and then of course a wife who constantly trolls me on Twitter. So uh, <laughs> it, you know, I, I've actually tried to you know kind of like my leagues. Uh, I've I've tried to cut back a little bit, and that's not always very successful. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've been trying to cut back a little bit. Uh, I'll probably jump it into overdrive when I finish uh, my last semester of college here uh, in May, uh, and you know, kind of ramp things up again. Probably going into the 2021 season. 
but the, this year, the, that's all I'm doing. Yeah, right. Ramping up. I, I, I look forward to seeing what ramping up looks like for you. Um, yeah, and congrats on that. I know you've been, uh, you know, burning the candle on both ends. I think that's the right phrase, just in terms of producing all the fantasy baseball content. You also have a job. You're also going to school. So congrats on getting here uh, towards the end of the school part of that, at least. Yeah, this is a reminder, all you, you know, teenagers in, in young 20s, you know, people tell you you can do school at any time, but like get it done as soon as you can, because it, it becomes a lot more difficult to balance when you're juggling life. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah, well, let's I know that we were talking a little bit before the show started. I know that over at Fan, uh, Friends with Fantasy Benefits, you guys have a new draft guide that just launched. Mm-hmm. Um, can you let me know? Uh, and let the listeners know a little bit about uh, the guide and what they can expect. Yeah, uh, it is, uh, it's been a huge undertaking. It's the third year we've done it, uh, and we've really kind of ramped that one up as well. Uh, so it, it has 30 team previews, you know, which just pretty much covers every player and every team. Uh, then 30 team prospect previews, so top 10 prospects written up by Matt Thompson, uh, who does, who's our lead prospect analyst and also is one of kind of the uh, co-founders of Prospects Live, which is a, is a fantastic prospect site. Uh, he also includes, uh, you know, the next five names. So you're really getting the top 15 in each system and then the top five players from each uh, system for first-year player drafts for those Dynasty players. Uh, it, it's like for Dynasty guys, it's like I think a must-have because a lot of Dynasty content uh, that people get for, you know, prospect info that people get isn't uh, fantasy-specific. Uh, and this is fantasy sp- uh, specific. So uh, then just a kind of a crap ton of um, strategy guides pretty much for every single format. Uh, uh, Andrew Durers did a great article on building your own data uh, warehouse. Uh, we've got like you know, intro to advanced stats for people who are trying to kind of learn that. Uh, you know, Ariel Cohen from Fangraphs and CBS uh, we're using his ATC projections. We've got full projections for the for all of Major League Baseball and auction values off of that for pretty much every format uh, that you would want. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's, it's almost 500 pages. I mean, it, it was so big that I had trouble. I could not get it to convert to a PDF on my computer. I had to go to a more powerful computer to convert it to a PDF. So... Uh, you can get it by emailing me, justinmasonfantasy at gmail.com, if you want the PDF version. Uh, that's $7. Or you can go to Amazon and type in uh, The Fantasy Benefits um, or Justin Mason or Friends of Fantasy Benefits. Uh, and you can get either an ebook or a paperback there. But uh, it's well worth the cost. Awesome, definitely. And once this, once this show is over, you want to know what I'm going to do, Justin? I am going to uh, I'm gonna send over uh, – I'm going to buy it through oh. your email. So, wow. Yeah. We're we're gonna we're gonna rock it, um, and everybody who's listening to this podcast, you want to know something? You should do it as well. If you love Justin Mason, which I know is virtually every single person in the fantasy baseball uh, world, please uh, please purchase uh, the guide. Um, it sounds fantastic. I'm really uh, curious about the Andrew Dewhurst article about uh, building your own data warehouse. As like a total data geek, that sounds uh, like a pretty cool thing that I haven't seen in other guides. Yeah, it was an interesting proposal because it's something that he hadn't done in, like, previous guides before. Uh, and, like, he, you know, I'm not the numbers guy that, you know, he is or you are. 
Um, and so, like, when he, like, proposed it to me, I was all, yeah, do it. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about, but go ahead. Um, <laughs> and it's pretty cool because he walks you step by step how to do it with pictures and stuff, uh, you know, using fan graphs and things like that. Um, to kind of build this thing, it's really, really cool, uh, and I, I, I've definitely have already done it. So uh, for my for my own edification, uh, and it's just yeah, it's just a, such a cool uh, kind of addition to the guide, and a bunch of different additions this year. So uh, it's been uh, it's been a fun project, and uh, so far everybody who's gotten it has told me they've really liked it. So uh, hopefully uh, people will continue to go out and uh, support us, support me, uh, and get it, uh, and uh, help them win their leagues with it. Definitely. Yeah, and one thing that I'm super interested to hear from you, so uh, this is the first interview podcast I've done in a really long time, and one of the things that we generally touch on is kind of like how people got involved in the industry, like things that they've done. I think your, in a lot of ways, yours is is fairly well documented. There's some great mm -hmm. uh, TGFBI um, uh, episodes about it, um, which I would highly recommend that people go through and look for um, Justin being on um, the TGFBI podcast and just sharing a little bit about his story, but I'm super interested in just the development of Fran friends with fantasy benefits over the years. Cause I know when I first started listening to fantasy baseball podcasts, like a number of years ago, it was one of the first ones that I listened to because it was one of the first ones where you guys did get into to data and talking about like hard hit rates and all that jazz. And so I'm just curious, like what has it been like from kind of the, the beginning of friends with fantasy benefits? How has that developed? Because I know now, like you guys have a, a, a host of guys who contribute to it, or a host of uh, mm -hmm. contributors, I should say, um, and and also like there's been a lot of folks who have gotten their start there um, as well. So what what's that been like just to see the development of, of kind of your baby, I guess, over the years? Yeah, it's crazy because it all kind of started by accident. It, it, like this was never uh, like a goal of mine or something I had aspired to do. Um, and I mean, it all started out of, uh, uh, a Facebook group. We were in the, uh, Towers of Power Facebook group. And for those who don't know what Towers of Power was, it was Jason Collette and Paul Sporer's like original podcast, like through baseball prospectus. And they had like had a fan Facebook group and, uh, I was in it and a bunch of other guys were in it and someone went, Hey, I want to start a 20 team dynasty league. And we all joined and we got along so well that, someone suggested we put together a podcast and a website for the league specific. And very quickly I said, listen, I don't have the time to devote to talking about our league because no one is going to listen. Like I'm not even going to listen to a podcast about a specific league, but if you want to make this something more, I, I'd be interested. And, um, and honestly, I'd been interested mostly in the writing aspect of things because uh, I have a writing experience through the military uh, I, I was deathly afraid of podcasting, so um, or or talking in public, and I still kind of am. But uh, got roped into that, and that's how we were kind of born. And uh, it has grown by leaps and bounds. And I couldn't imagine uh, five years ago when we kind of started this venture that it would turn into what it has. But now we now have sixty uh, staff members, I believe. Um, wow. And uh, and it's all people who, you know, for the most part, are people who have never written or podcasted before coming to Friends of Fantasy Benefits. Uh, and, you know, we pretty much take anybody who asks to be a part of it. Um, and I help mentor people and 
uh, and and help kind of coach them, you know, on the writing style uh, if if that's what they need, or help them develop a voice. Uh, and it's been pretty amazing because, like you said, we've had people go on to pretty much like all the big places. Uh, I mean, people have gone on to Fangraphs and Fantasy Alarm and Baseball Prospectus and uh, Baseball HQ, uh, and some have gone on to start start their own sites. And uh, it's it's amazing to uh, be a part of that uh, and have people, uh, you know, find success within the industry and know that they got their start uh, with me over at Friends of Fantasy Benefits. Uh, and it's it's a pretty cool experience uh, to have. I was, telling, uh, I was telling someone the other day, it's like, it's almost like having a coaching tree. Like, this is my, co- <laughs> Friends of Fantasy Benefits is like the beginning of my coaching tree. Uh, and it's cool to uh, to see guys uh, and women, because, uh, you know, Shelly uh, V is, uh, is, is one of those people that, you know, kind of started with us. So, uh, to see them go off and and do do well and become a you know mainstays in the industry, uh, and to know that I might have had a little part of that is, is pretty awesome. Definitely, and I would say it's definitely the Andy Reid coaching tree, you know, <laughs> um, which I think is has been the, one of the more successful recent coaching trees. I want to say, mm-hmm. although football is, is definitely not my expertise. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's been really awesome uh, and phenomenal to see that, and I think. You mentioned the mentorship part of that. I just think it's it's awesome, like within the industry. And I think you're one of the people that sets the tone. There's just this, there's such a, a supportive environment, generally speaking. You know, mm-hmm. not not 100 percent of that, but a very supportive environment where people are looking out for other folks. And even like, even though it may be that no longer they're writing at Friends with Fantasy Benefits, like they you, you're still helping them pursue other opportunities um, that they want to. So I think that's uh, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool because, I mean, no one gets anywhere without the help of other people. As much as, you know, like, obviously hard work has helped me kind of get, uh, you know, farther in the industry. Like, if it weren't for people like Laura Michaels and Paul Sporer and, and Howard Bender, like, I, I, people would not know who I am. Like, that's just the honest truth of it. And uh, I have definitely benefited from people taking me under their wing and helping me uh, advance uh, my career in this industry and... Uh, it, it wouldn't be fair if I then turned around and said, I'm not going to help you. Like, you know, that, that just wouldn't be right. Uh, and I'm sure there are people that do that, but that's not my character to uh, do that. I, I want to help the next person because you never know who you might need help from. And it could be the person that you helped, you know, a couple of years back. Definitely. Yeah. And it's so funny because you mentioned um, when you were talking about kind of the you know, the creation story, if you will, of Friends with Fantasy Benefits, like that you with Paul Sporer and with Jason Collette in the in the Facebook group you mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. And like and now you're on Sleeper and Bus uh, Sleeper in the Bus with them. Obviously that's a that's a big step. And again, like kudos to you. I remember the first uh, fantasy baseball podcast I ever listened to was Sleeper in the Bus. I can remember I was in Alaska and I was like uh running and it was the first time I'd ever listened to a fantasy baseball podcast. And then the crazy thing is, like, jump forward, I don't know, like, four years or something, and you gave this podcast a shout-out on Sleeper on the Bus, uh, which was kind of surreal. But that was obviously, like, a, uh, I mean, not a big step. It was a big step for you, but, uh, you know, you were already pretty well-known in the industry. But I've heard you mention on other podcasts, and you just mentioned a little bit ago, like, that you weren't really comfortable podcasting initially. Like, for, for folks, I know there's a lot of podcasts that are coming out. People are really interested in the format and getting the word, uh, getting kind of their ideas out in that format. What are some suggestions you have for folks, 
you know, who are listening and other people in the industry who have started podcasts about, you know, what it takes to be successful, how you get over maybe some of those uh, initial fears that you have? I mean, first and foremost, like audio quality is huge. Nothing will sync a podcast faster than bad audio quality because people will just light up your, uh, your your iTunes reviews or wherever you're getting reviewed like really really poor or really really bad if uh, if your audio quality sucks. So like make sure you've got good recording equipment, um, and if you're recording with other people, like make sure that you've got good you know Wi-Fi connection or your hard line in your internet. It's something that I think people don't think about when they're first starting. And I know it's a problem. It, it's much better now than it was five years ago because there's a lot more uh, ways to record. But like, there was a good stretch of like two years where the entire industry was struggling to figure out how to record because the most popular recording system went away and, and nobody could like find anything that was actually very good. Uh, now there's a lot more out there, but definitely test your audio quality first and foremost before you start releasing podcasts, because like part of gaining popularity in the podcast world is reviews. Um, that's why it's important to give Toby a five-star review on his podcast. Oh, yes. Um, you see? <laughs> the you know, most like uncomfortable part of any podcast when you're yes, like, right? please, for the love of God, give me a oh, five-star review. <laughs> I used to just bribe people. I'd be like, I will send you a free t-shirt if you give me a five-star review or something like that. Right, right. Like, you know, I mean... Uh, I mean, that's what I did for the TGFBI podcast. What I did was like the way to get into the satellites was you had to give a five-star review and then donate money to a charity. And it was like those those five-star reviews really, really help, uh, especially early on for a podcast. So uh, then, I mean, if you're going to record with someone else, if you're going to have a podcast partner, uh, chemistry is huge. And it's a really, really big thing. And some, some people... Are, are really easy to record with, doesn't matter. Like Paul, you know, Paul can sit down with a wall and talk, and that wall is going to sound interesting as hell. And, I mean, so, I mean, I've been blessed to work with some amazing podcast partners in Mike Warner and, and Matt Thompson and Jason Collette and Paul Spore and Nick Pollock. And just, you know, uh, and, and people in the industry that, like, are really easy to communicate with and, uh, if you can find those people or you have like a friend or a buddy or whoever you're going to be recording with that, it's just an easy conversation every time you talk, whether you agree or not, like that's really important uh, in order to get a podcast really kind of going. Um, and then it's just do it like uh, content is king. And I, I think people don't realize that like iTunes rankings are partly built on the amount of content you deliver. And so it's really hard for podcasts that don't record very often to bust their way up the podcast ranks, uh, which is how you get seen by people who aren't like just checking Twitter or, or things like that. So it, it's important to deliver a lot of content or, or at least a fair amount of it. All right. I'm taking notes right here. Develop content. You guys are going to start seeing one minute podcast from me beginning tomorrow. <laughs> that I'm just going to put out every single day. It's All actually right. not a bad idea because <laughs> here's the thing. So uh, once I figured this out, we came up with a plan. We do it every year now. Every January at Friends of Fantasy Benefits, we release 60 podcasts in 30 days during the month of January. So you can go onto our feed and see 30 team previews for the month of January and then 30 team prospect previews that Matt Thompson and I do. And like the, the prospect previews, some of them are 10 minutes. You know, because, uh, you know, certain systems really, really suck. 
but it artificially bumps us up the rankings for the month of January and February when people are looking for new fantasy podcasts. And that's that's one of the ways you kind of work the system. Man, the, the strategy involved there. My God, that's incredible. <laughs> I love it. Um, that is that is so interesting. Like, yeah, that's uh, that's something that we should be able to apply to fantasy baseball somehow, you know, like that level of mm-hmm. uh, of strategic thinking. Um, well, and I, I tell people all the time, listen, I'm not the best number guy, numbers guy. I'm not the best scout. But very few people are going to outplay me in, in the game of fantasy. Like that's like I I I kind of consider myself, um, you know, a game manager or uh, you know, a game theory type of player for sure. I mean, I can do the numbers, I can scout, uh, but ultimately, my my hope is that I'm going to outplay people uh, in contests. Oh yeah, and we are going to get to your process and strategy uh, in a second. Before we did that, I did want to touch. Uh, a little bit on TGFBI for folks, mm-hmm. again, who uh, don't know the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. It is a um, it is a, an overall event with how many how many teams are there this year? 390 or something? Yeah, 390. 26 leagues. 26 leagues, 390 um, fantasy analysts from across the industry, around the world, really. I know we have some mm-hmm. folks who are participating internationally, which can make it difficult to set lineups. Um, but, um, you know, and it's just been a a phenomenal, I mean, this is year three. I remember when I first started, it was such a big deal. I, I, I spent so much time on my league. I mean, I do every single year, but I just remember like, this was the opportunity to really go up against other people who were creating fantasy content, like to really prove myself having not played in, in any type of industry league before. And so I think just getting that opportunity was so incredible and to see that, yes, I could, you know, compete with, um, with people in the industry. And that was super helpful. Like when you created it, uh, nearly three years ago, like what, what were you hoping that it became? Like, is this what you envisioned? Is it more than you envisioned? Like what was the, what was the strategy, if you will, as you thought about creating the league? Well, I mean, the strategy was simple. I saw where I was in the industry and underestimated what what like my path was going to be and thought there was no way I was ever going to get invited to Tout Wars or Labor or any like major industry league and it didn't matter how many of these minor like industry leagues that uh, people like put together that I was a part of that I won I was I was never going to get to compete with the big dogs Um, and so I had to kind of figure out a way to do that Uh, and that's how Barf started I was like okay if I if I can get like some big names in the industry to show up to a bar in San Francisco, maybe like, you know, people will start paying attention to me, um, especially if I beat them. Uh, And then, you know, once I started kind of getting into NFBC and stuff, I went, what if I created an industry type contest, you know, that's NFBC like where, you know, it's a bunch of different leagues and there's an overall component to it. Uh, you know, then I can compete against some of the big names. Like not knowing that I was going to, you know, about the time I started TGFBI, I would get invited to Tout Wars uh, and all that. So, um, yeah, so that, I mean, that's how it started. But like, I didn't think anybody would go for this. Like, one, who the hell am I? Like, no, no one, like, people kind of were getting to know me and stuff like that. But, you know, I was still fairly new in the industry and I didn't have any clout whatsoever. Uh I I was like, okay, if I could just get, like, a couple big names to sign on, 
then maybe I can kind of use their name to like promote it. Like, hey, Paul Spore is going to do this. You should jump in it too, type thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, like, I was really hoping the first year that I could get 145, or sorry, uh, get 45 competitors. I just wanted three 15 man leagues. Mm. Um, and I think we did 175 the first year or, or something around that. That sounds about right, yeah. So, are there one, maybe it was 185. Uh, I, I, I can't remember. I, I can't divide by 15 either. Yeah. So it's all right. You're 175 good. doesn't seem to work with, with, you know, 150, definitely. 180. Yeah, 180. maybe it's 180. So, um, like, I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked that many people. And the fact that it's grown to almost 400. And, I mean, if I wanted to add another league right now, I probably could because so many people signed up after the fact that I probably could add another league. But... Uh, that doesn't like work with the balance of how how I've set up the league, so uh, probably not going to happen. But uh, it's amazing just the reception that the industry has had about TGFBI and like how they've embraced it, and uh, because it's great. Because I mean, granted, I got into Tout and I'm in labor this year, and uh, like that's amazing for me. But I know there is 300 people plus out there in the industry that feel right now the same way they felt or the same way I felt, you know, a few years ago before I started this, that they were never, they're never going to get into Tower Wars. They're never going to get into labor, never going to get a chance to prove themselves. And TGFBI is the solution for that. And so uh, it's been, it's been amazing to see guys kind of, and, and women um, get the respect they deserve by beating the pants off of some of these bigger names. And it's really cool to see some of the bigger names, win the overall. I mean, Todd Zola and Clay Link winning the first two years uh, it shows, like, just how good of players they are uh, and, like, how great of a site, like, Rotowire is, you know, um, <laughs> that we all we need got, to take we down. We've got to break up the Rotowire dynasty this year, Josh. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, because otherwise they're going to have to sponsor it in year four. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, just, that's just how it's going to have to happen. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's been cool. Like, I... Uh, like my wife's like, stay humble, stay humble, and it's like not like that. I get a big head about it. I just, I'm so, I'm, I'm like kind of so overwhelmed by the response of the industry around it. it it's so cool that people uh, really like look forward to something that I created, like TGFBI. Most definitely, yeah, and I, I cannot wait uh, to draft this year. This is going to be like the first league. I've done a bunch of DCs, and I did one online championship on NFBC, but I can't wait for. Um, you know, a little over a week. It's uh, February uh, 24th, right? Mm -hmm. It is when yep. we're going to start the slow drafts. Yeah, as long as everybody signs up on time. So if you haven't, si or if you haven't signed into the league, you you know that you've been invited to uh, do that. So then we may make sure we all uh, start on time. But yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun. I can't wait. Like I feel like I, I had one of those teams last year that was so close to really like making a push and. You know, just some unfortunate injuries kind of got in the way of that. And, uh, like, this, I feel like this is my year for TGFBI to, like, kind of, uh, like, I, I don't want to just create it. I want to win this thing. Absolutely. Well, and with the injury luck that you had last year, I mean, you've got to, <laughs> you've got to have a couple seasons of just clear no injury players. Positive, <laughs> positive regression is going to hit uh, so, so, this year. <laughs> somebody tweeted me, um, 2000, uh, 2019 Justin Mason takes every injured player. 2020 Justin Mason will not take any player that's ever had a cold. Like, <laughs> like I'm so injury-averse this year because of last year. Uh, but 
you know, it's just that's just you you play it, it for as many years as I have and in as many leagues as I have. There's gonna be a team that just gets crushed, and unfortunately, it was the team I spent seventeen hundred dollars on. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. What what is the stickiness year to year of injuries on your fantasy baseball team? I wonder. We should uh, we should have somebody calculate that the the correlation there. Um, yeah. Well, hopefully, it is a uh, it is an injury free season um, for you. Uh, and for everybody who who plays in TGFBI, which is impossible because mm-hmm. every every player is uh, of worth is owned in every single league. But let's hope it doesn't uh, impact your teams at least, and it just impacts everybody else's. How does I'd that be sound? I'd be okay with that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, and thank you for uh, you know TGFBI just has created. Uh, uh, speaking personally, like I've just had so much fun playing the league. Uh, the last two years, it has been uh, awesome. Definitely looking for, forward to year three. Everybody in League 11, you better watch out, including Sammy Reed. Oh, that's uh, right. I put you and Sammy in the same league together. Absolutely. Yeah, we were talking about that in, uh, uh, in, Barf, uh, in Barf. And so um, we're really looking forward to that. That should be, uh, that should be a lot of fun uh, competition because we have very similar thought processes generally. Yes, um, I think Sammy and I were in the same league together last year. Oh really? So you're just—he's so, Sammy's just circulating to all the different barf, uh, barf players, I guess. I think last year I did my league with like mostly West Coast people, mm. um, and it was like me and Sammy uh, and Eno and I want to say Jeff Erickson might have been in that league as well. Um, and yeah, it was uh, it was one of those leagues where like. Like too many. Oh, Vlad Sadler was in that league. Yeah, Sammy, uh, Max Freeze, um, and it was one of those leagues where it's like I just put wow. too many good players in it. Yeah, like that just true. what wasn't fair uh, <laughs> to, to Justin, me. You put in all this work to create it. You got to at least stack the leagues in your favor, man. I don't. I don't know if you understand how this all works. Like that's but, what you're supposed to do. See, that's the hard part because I get to choose the leagues. I get to choose who I get to play against. And, like, one, I try to put people against each other, for the most part, that haven't played against each other. And, obviously, you can't avoid that with some, you know, with some things. Uh, but, like, I never played against Vlad. Mm-hmm. Like, so, like I, like, I wanted to play against Vlad. And, like, this year, I, like, I want to, I, I, I never got to play against Tim McLeod and Derek Van Riper. So, I'm like, I'm putting them in my league. Like I like, give me the challenge. Like when when I win a, a TGFBI league uh, this year or or win the overall this year, I want it be uh, uh, to be because I took down like the best players. Totally. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, I, I wish you the best of luck. I hope you finish in second. I will be rooting for you to finish there uh, all year <laughs> long. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's uh, let's get into the. Uh, to the process portion of the podcast. Um, we love process here on the podcast. And by here on the podcast, I mean, I love process. Um, so, <laughs> um, you know, I'm really curious for you, like what your process is about how you go about evaluating players year to year, because there's really no off season. Like you don't take an mm-hmm. off season. I know you create football content as well, but like you, cre- you keep up the baseball content all year long with the podcast, just with being active on Twitter and so I'm curious, how do you go about um, evaluating players from year to year? Does the fact that you're creating content around it help you? Like, does it just kind of, you know, oh, I've got this article to write or, oh, I've got this podcast to do with Paul. Let's kind of overview people. Or do you set aside a good chunk of time 
to really go through players in depth? Yeah, I typically start in like early September preparing for the next season. Uh, and it typically starts with, uh, I usually, I don't know if I'm going to do it this uh, this year uh, or not. I, I haven't decided if I'm going to retire it or not, but I do the two early mocks. And so like that gives me an opportunity before those start to like come up with my initial set of rankings for the following year. And that's largely gut. Like it's you know, okay. I get a list of what the player pool is going to be for the following season, and I go, okay, this player, you know, should be above this player. This player should be above this player, and kind of work things out. And then I spend the next two to three months digging through statistics uh, and watching a ton of uh, kind of film and, and and tape on players to kind of challenge my own assertions. Uh, on what players, because I don't release those like initial rankings because one, they're usually horrible (laughs) because they're based, they're based on my gut. Like they're based on like, okay, I watched a lot of like, you know, twins games last year. Like, and so like, I love Miguel Sano, but he's not a first rounder, Justin. Um, So, you know, and stuff like that. So, uh, but I, I try, like, I'm really good at playing devil's advocate just in general in life. And so what I do is I come up with these rankings and then I play devil's advocate on like where guys should go and where guys should be ranked. And then once projection systems start kind of coming out and stuff, I, I kind of do the same with that. So I take, you know, steamer comes out usually earliest and I go, I'll pull steamer. I'll compare them to my rankings, uh, you know, and, and, and kind of the values I've come up with uh, at that point. And I start kind of picking at them, okay, I, I don't think this is right. I don't think that's right. Um, and then I read a lot of content. Like, the beauty of playing fantasy in this day and age is there's a ton of content out there. So, like, I read and listen to as many podcasts, read as many articles uh, as I can. Uh, and I play devil's advocate with those. Like, I, I'll listen to your podcast and I'll yell at you, um, which really scares people at the gym. But... Toby, uh, you're two aces. Stop it. Shut up. Yeah, like, no, stop taking two aces at the beginning of your draft, Toby. <laughs> um, you know, or, uh, you know, listen to Pitcher List and, like, yell at Alex Fast or learn, yeah. listen to Raids and Barrels and yell at Eno Saris and, um, and then read as many, you know, articles and things. And what I'm trying to do is not only, like, you know, pick apart other people's arguments, but I'm also trying to pick apart my own beliefs and biases because uh, we all have biases, whether we're you know, strictly numbers guys or strictly scouting guys or, or, you know, you know, all the ranges in between, we have bias, you know, in how we play the game and how we approach the game. And if we can't challenge that, we're not going to grow as players. So for me, by the time I get to this point, like I'm done with my prep at this point, like I'm continuing to evolve it. Um, And if someone comes out with something that makes me, you know, you know, if someone goes, you know, I've got this article about, about why Jorge Soler isn't going to regress, but he's actually going to increase his power production next year. You know, I'm going to read it. I'm going to go, all right, why do I agree with this? Why do I disagree with this? And is this going to affect how I'm going to rank Jorge Soler? Um, and, you know, part of the process is learning how to determine what's good content and what's not good content. Because just because there's a lot of content out there now doesn't mean it's all good. And, 
you know, I produce my fair share of shitty content. So, um, you know, so, it's so uh, positive regression is also working in your direction there. You're for uh, sure. Right. You've created enough shitty content where <laughs> at some point it's got to be good. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I'm not like a big content producer in the off season necessarily, especially in terms of writing. Like I write just enough to like fulfill my requirements for fan crafts. Um, Cause I, I do a ton of writing in season, uh, but really like the off season is my study time. And it's, it's really my time to kind of, you know, dig into things and really figure out how I'm going to approach the upcoming season. And you mentioned this in there, like you mentioned the steamer projections and some other pieces, but do you have particular like tools, resources, metrics? You obviously write for Rotograss, but like, are there particular websites or um, study material that you focus on or as you do your analysis, are there any particular metrics that you're higher on than other ones? I mean, I'm really starting to like love like everything they're doing over at Baseball Savant. Like it's it's like I feel like I spend more time there than I do with my kids. <laughs> so, which you know might be true, it might not be true. Um, but like the like I I mean it just feels like every month they're adding something new to play with. Yeah, uh, and it's like if you're not familiar with uh, baseball savant, it's uh, you you've got to like really dig in. Like it's it's. It's really, really important to kind of understand what they're what they're doing with all the Statcast data and everything over there. Uh, you know, Brooks Baseball uh, is another one. Obviously, Fangraphs. Um, I do a lot of you know a lot of my research over there, being a company man. Um, uh, and I, you know, I really rely heavily on the ATC projections. What Ariel Cohen does, uh, I just think he is uh, like really got a great grasp on you know kind of melding a lot of the projection systems together to make a superior one. And I think the kind of uh, the end of the year results have proven that out that, you know, he's at the top of the list, you know, or, you know, near the top of the list every year uh, with his projections. So uh, that, I mean, those are kind of my main resources. And then it's watching a lot of film. Yeah. You know, I, I've been, I've been blessed to work at a job uh, in the middle of the night where I don't have a lot to do. Um, and I can put on baseball games uh, in the background and just watch nice. baseball for eight hours a night, five days a week. Uh, and so there are very few people in the industry that have watched as much baseball as I have over the last five years, um, only because uh, uh, I, I have that job. Um, and so it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm switching jobs here soon. So it'll be interesting to see how I'm going to figure out how to do that. It may be. Uh, that I uh, have to uh, have baseball just on at the house 24 seven. There, there, there you go. Um, yeah. All you need to do for those of you aspiring fantasy analysts out there, just work late, uh, work nights mm -hmm. right? uh, through, through, through the night and you will be, uh, you'll be in good shape. If you never sleep, you have more time <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And I was going to say, I mean, normally you'd feel bad if you're spending more time on baseball savant than you are with your children, but like what? What would their average exit velocity be at this point? Like, right? They're they're like, I don't know. Your daughter's eight or something like that. Yeah, right? she's nine. She actually had her. Uh, she had volleyball tryouts today, oh, and yeah. and I was uh, I was there and watching, and um, I was talking to my wife after, and I was like, it's really weird because I thought I was going to be like the uber competitive parent, mm. um, and I'm not. Like I'm like totally not, which is really weird because. When I play sports and when I played sports, you know, growing up in high school and 
uh, and a little bit in college and stuff like that, like, I was, like, the one, I still am, like, the uber-competitive person when I play. Like, I play slow-pitch softball every Thursday, mm-hmm. and, like, I'm the person who gets thrown out of games, like, for, for like for taking it too seriously and stuff. But, like, with my kids, it's, like, I, I don't know if it's the fact that I know that they have no shot at being a professional athlete or um, if I just, you know, am enjoying the fact that they're having fun playing a sport. But, like, I could not care less, like, if they take things seriously. Like, uh, my, my daughter played baseball a few years ago, and, like, uh, like she would do the silliest things, and, like, it was, like, it was just fun watching it. Like, I could not, like, get into the competitive nature of it. Yeah, that's one of the things I enjoyed. Like, my, um, my oldest played t-ball for the first time. And I remember thinking about, like, uh, you know, when I played t-ball, I felt like I knew exactly what I was doing. Like, mm-hmm. I was super good or whatever. And so I was like going in, I was like, all right, there's, this is going to be awesome. They're going to know what they're doing. And it's like, if the kid runs to the right base, when he hits mm-hmm. it, like you're in, you're in pretty good shape. So, um, yeah, it's, it's fun. Uh, it's fun watching them, watching them play, especially if, yeah, you can just kind of let them, uh, let them have a little fun, but that doesn't mean you don't have like a Rapsodo, uh, video equipment set up to, uh, to measure, you know, their self-testing. Um, your earlier comment actually brings up a listener question. We had a few uh, listener questions, which was, I would like to know which, pre- uh, this is from uh, Cody McDonald. Uh, he is a, a great listener of the podcast at uh, CO MacDo, And he was asking, I would like to know which projection system he likes the most. And so it sounds like ATC would be the one mm-hmm. that you trust the most. And then, uh, and then his second question on that is outside of the sleeper and the bust. And of course, Batflip, crazy podcast. What are three podcasts that you listen to, fantasy or otherwise? So that's a pretty big range there. Oh, God, yeah. Like, there is um, – I mean, we'll keep it to baseball, I'm assuming, right? Like, uh, I mean, you. it's open. It's open. Just keep it appropriate, Justin. Okay. I, I don't have any inappropriate ones. Like, like no baseball... McGuire-related podcast. Oh, God. Jeez, I saw that today. I was like – well, I guess the Danny Jansen shares just went up a little bit. Uh, yeah, so, but I hadn't thought about that. I gotta, I gotta pick him up, right? Like you know, I gotta add, just give him a couple extra spots in the rankings because he might be getting another day or two a week behind the plate. Uh, I mean, like rates and barrels, like uh, Eno and, and uh, Derek Van Riper, like they're they're great. Uh, you know, both at what they do. Um, like the Roadwire podcast has a ton of really just smart guys, and I really like the rotation. Um, and then, I mean, Pitcher List is another pod, especially the on the corner one. Uh, like, it's just, I mean, a great. If you're looking for like non fantasy related podcasts, uh, you know, uh, Ian Khan, who is a fantasy baseball guy, has a political podcast. Oh, it, really? It, uh huh. It's called Guardians of the Republic. Um, it is uh it's left leaning so if you don't like left leaning things then you may not like it though i i consider myself uh more right leaning and and kind of uh you know uh or in the middle um and i just it, he does it with a guy who runs um the monmouth university poll which has been ranked as like the number one uh political poll in in the country uh, and it's just really cool the way they dissect polling information. And then Ian talks about kind of like presentation because he's a professional actor. Uh, so, like, that's a really good non-fantasy one uh, if you're looking for something like that. And, 
Uh, if you you know if you ever like if you ever watch the show The West Wing, The West Wing Weekly is like an awesome like behind the scenes look at The West Wing uh, uh, TV show. People people have told me that I should um, I should watch The West Wing that I oh, like because it. It for, in a former life that's what I did I did like political stuff so it, it's the greatest show ever created. Awesome. I, I I mean I like I I it's going to be leaving Netflix here pretty soon and I think going to HBO. Okay. Uh, go and like I'm super bummed because I I literally watch it every six months, at least. That's so cool. It's so nice too when like people outside. Well, I don't know how people do it. Like my sole interest in life is basically my family. My wife's like right over here, so just calling that out. Yeah. Um, and definitely then, put um, her at the top of the list if she's listening. And then and then fantasy baseball. I mean, I don't have time for these other like interests or pursuits. I'm just kidding partially because I also do other things. But the fact that you can have a political podcast and a fantasy baseball podcast and be an actor in a TV show, like that's a pretty uh, pretty impressive trifecta there by Ian. Yeah, you know, Ian is uh, just an awesome dude. Like he's, he's one of those guys that like I, I actually knew of him as an actor before I realized he was like playing fantasy baseball and, uh, and like really kind of in the industry and stuff like that uh, because his show Turn – um, on AMC was, I, I'm a history major and, uh, and I just, I'm a history nerd. And so anytime like American history TV shows come out, like I'm all over it. And he played George Washington, uh, during the American revolution, uh, fantastically. And so like when I found out he, or he actually asked to be on the podcast, I was like, of course, like I totally yeah. geeked out and nerded out over it. So, um, yeah, no, I, I love supporting what he does cause he's just such a cool guy. That's, that's, uh, that's definitely awesome. And I, I spend a, a good, a decent chunk of time on 538. Um, <laughs> I know it's kind of like a passe. I'm sure there's better things out there these days, but um, I thoroughly enjoy looking at the up to the minute polls and things like that. So exciting stuff. Um, cool. All right. So um, here's a, here's a, here's a, uh, an interview question. So like mm-hmm. you're applying for a job. So maybe as, as you're getting a new job, it sounds like you were asked these things, but what would you say your strengths as a fantasy analyst are? And what would you say are your weaknesses as a fantasy analyst? Mm, interesting. I would say my strengths are how awesome I am. And my weakness is my <laughs> inability to be hum- humble. Uh-huh. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, my, like, my, my inability to delegate. I'm just yeah. so good at everything. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess I'll start with the weaknesses. Like, I'm really bad at saying no to leagues. How many do you have this year, by the way? Because you mentioned um, that you were trying to cut back. I just dropped three more. Uh, Like, I'm really trying to drop. I actually have a Google spreadsheet of how many leagues I have, so I can actually pull it up and tell you what what the exact number. But I bet you it's about 14 or 15 right now. Okay. I'm hoping it won't be that many by the time we actually get through March. But, um... Who knows <laughs> if it's uh, if it is? Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I love playing fantasy, and I, I especially love the drafting aspect of things. And so, it's like I, I always want to try a new league, uh, and it's it's been really hard for me to kind of turn that down. Um, so currently, right now, it looks like I have thirteen leagues. Okay, that's not too bad. So, uh, but I mean that doesn't include I think 
you know, I think I'm going to do a few more online championships this year. Uh, the one thing I've tried to do now is, like, get away from adding so many daily moves leaks. Yeah. Um, because it's just, it becomes so, so hard to just keep up with a ton of those. So I think Barf is the only daily moves league uh, that I'm in now. Uh, are, are, are pretty much all of those uh, leagues fab leagues as well? Yes. Yes, I believe they're all fab leagues. That's tough. That's the thing. I have like eight DCs already, I think. But mm-hmm. the fab leagues, I'm already like, I'm trying to keep it at 10, which is what I had last year because... I told my wife, I was like, don't let me do more next year. Don't let me do more next year because I'm, I'm up pretty damn late on Saturdays running fab. So um, fab leagues yeah. have a lot of time to do right. That's going to be the thing I have to figure out this year because, you know, like I said, I, I've, been, I've been working this overnight job. And so pretty much, you know, Saturday night into Sunday morning, I just spend eight hours working on fab. Um, and I'm not going to have that come the start of the season with, with, with my new job. Uh, so I'm definitely going to have to figure out how I'm going to work that into my schedule. Um, and I'm sure my wife won't be super pleased. But, you know, one of the other things I've done is I've cut out the number of sites I play on. Mm-hmm. So, like, I no longer play on ESPN or Yahoo at all. Okay. So yeah. are you NFBC and Fantrax then? NFBC, Fantrax, and CBS. And then Tout Wars plays on On Roto, and I think Labor plays on something. Okay. So, uh, but I mean, it's just so hard. Like sometimes you go, like there was, I can't remember if it was, I don't think it was last year. I think it was the year before where it was like, like I was crushing all my leagues. And then I realized that I had leagues on ESPN and I'm like, Oh, like I totally have like ignored like these three leagues on ESPN because I just keep forgetting to check that site. So, uh, I, I, I have tried to, pretty much move as many of my leagues over to NFBC that I can. Um, you know, I still have Barf and uh, another huge dynasty league um, on Fantrax because, you know, Fantrax has like such a huge player pool. But really, I'm just mainly playing on NFBC these days. Nice. Very nice. Um, all right. You, you mentioned some weaknesses. What about strengths? Oh, I mean, like I mentioned before, like I, I, I consider myself a really good game player. Um, you know, I, I don't, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, having, you know, been in kind of this working in this industry, uh, and doing the podcasting and, and writing stuff, um, has really sharpened my skills kind of as, uh, you know, uh, an analyst in terms of, uh, statistics and in terms of scouting. Um, but I think what I've always done well is learn how to play the game, or, you know, or be good at playing the game. Uh, and that is, you know, finding either weaknesses within the rules of a game or within the system, you know, scoring system to try to exploit things. So, you know, a few years ago I was in tout head to head, you know, and I ran the numbers and saw that pitching was way more valuable than hitting. And so, you know, one of the things I did was, you know, I pretty much knew that everybody would spend like a roto kind of, standard, you know, 70-30 or 60-40 on hitting, um, and that maybe some people would do, like, a more balanced 50-50 approach. And so, like, I, I decided, well, I'm going to spend $230 of my budget, $260 budget on, on pitching. Um, I, I, remember, I remember seeing that, the results of this, that draft, and I thought it was cool that you were willing to kind of 
buck the trend on that and mm-hmm. um, and follow where the the system was pointing you. Yeah, and I mean, like, and it didn't work out for me in terms of like winning the league, but like that was one of those years, or that was one of those teams that we were talking about earlier in terms of like you play in as many leagues, you're gonna have a ton of injuries in one te- on one team. And I lost 18 of my 23 players to injury uh, that I drafted that year and finished in third. Like That's how good the strategy was that I was able to like lose that amount of money and, you know, and, and talent off my team and still finish in, I think third or fourth place. Yeah. And they changed the rules, right? The following year. Is that right? Yeah. They they said it wasn't because of me, but I like to think that it was. They, they, they shifted the scoring system to make it a more hitter friendly approach. Hey, there's there's nothing wrong if the, if you can rig the system, the new, mm-hmm. right? Well, and that's the thing. Like people all the time, you know, they they get a scoring system, they get you know rules, and they you know they don't really pay attention. I can't tell every year, every year the leagues I'm commissioner of, someone will complain about a rule like halfway through a season, and it's like, dude, their rules are written down for a reason. Like number one part of fantasy should be knowing your rules, like knowing your scoring system, like knowing how things work. Um, like th- there should be no excuse for that, but every year, whether it's baseball or football or whatever other, you know, pot or, uh, uh, you know, league I'm running, like someone is like confused about the rules halfway through. Like you need to make sure you know how the rules because like, how are you going to gain an advantage over other people if you don't know how the game is supposed to be played? Absolutely. No, most de- most definitely, and that's I think something that's interesting when when the rules are slightly different, right? Is being mm-hmm. able to adapt your valuations and things like that to take advantage. So, for sure, and that's like such a key lesson I think for people who are playing out there because a lot of times you'll get questions from folks that are like, oh, do I keep this player or do I keep that player? Like, what would you do in this particular situ- situation? And without understanding, like we can assume in a vacuum that it's like standard leagues, but so much of that is dependent on the settings that can swing mm-hmm. things so far from one end to the other, even in, even in Roto leagues, you know? So um, definitely, uh, definitely a, a, a good little uh, piece there. And so like talking about strategy, um, do you have a specific strategy? I mean, I know you, you like to mix it up a little bit. I know mm-hmm. you're not as big maybe as me as taking starting pitching early (laughs) but do you have like a specific strategy as you head into drafts you've talked a little bit about how based on the settings but let's just say you're doing a five by five traditional roto draft like what do you go in to that draft thinking about from a strategic perspective well i mean especially if it's a league like nfbc where i know what my draft order is going to be ahead of time uh, so I mean, like, the beauty of KDS is they run it five days before. It's like, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I think KD, like, you know, learning how to like, you know, properly pick your draft spot is important. But I think the most important part of that is we get like prior notice of what our draft spot's going to be. Uh, because I will map out my first three to four rounds. So like I, I know exactly who I'm going to be taking um, at least in my first two to three rounds of every draft. Uh, you know, I, I'll run out every single possible scenario. Uh, I spend hours and hours for each draft trying to figure that out. Um, and, uh, you know, it's like on my way to the main event in New York, like that's all I'll be doing on the plane is figuring out like, okay, I've got the five spots. So here are the four player possible players that could, or the five possible players that I would take at the five spot. 
you know, four are likely to be gone. And that leaves me with, you know, this player in the set, you know, the, these possible players in the second round, this is who I, you know, who I think I'm most likely to end up with. And, you know, I map it all the way out for sure. But ultimately, like, I don't have a set strategy for like every draft. I, I definitely believe that, uh, you know, roster construction and, you know, drafts are largely just putting together pieces of a puzzle um, and that can change based on however you pick players. And um, I don't like going into a draft saying, like, I have to do this. Um, because I think that ends up pigeon uh, holding you against taking the best possible players for your team. Definitely. Yeah, I love the puzzle piece metaphor. Um, it's just, uh, it really is. And it takes it takes so much practice to figure out how all those pieces fit. And it's kind of like, you know, you don't have all the pieces of the puzzle when the draft starts. Mm -hmm. It's just like you're getting thrown these random, or not throwing random, but you get to pick which one of the pieces go together. And hopefully you have, you know, a beautiful 30-piece puzzle that you put together by the end of it. So love that. Uh, love that metaphor um, a lot. Um, and so you mentioned, like, um, you mentioned uh, the KDS, so do you have a particular KDS that you like heading into this year based on, on who's available in the player pool? Um, I mean, I pretty much put, uh, I like started off three, two, one, um, because I, I, you know, I'd love to have like one of those top three hitters. Uh, and then I don't really care that much. Yeah. Uh, but like three is my, has been my preferred draft slot because I'm going to get one of uh, Yelich, uh, Acuna or Trout. Uh, and then, you know, uh, you know, because one of them's going to fall. Um, and really, I think you can start adding early in the draft season. I wasn't going to have like Cole or DeGrom in there, but I think you can start putting them at kind of four or five. Uh, and so I really want to kind of draft in that area. But to me, it, the, the first few rounds this year are more stacked than I think they've been in a long time. Like, I don't think there's a huge difference between, like, the number 7 player and the number 20 player. Mm. I just think they're all really, really good. Like, I think this is the reason, one of the reasons why Arenado fell to Bubba so late in the barf draft is because there's so much talent at the top of the draft. Totally. And it's really just a matter of, like, kind of, you know, you know splitting hairs and, and personal preference and things like that, so... To me, I tend to like to draft in the middle because I feel like I'm less likely to fall victim to uh, positional runs. You know, I can I can make the choice to jump in or jump out of them uh, as opposed to being left out of them at times. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, like, I, I really don't think that there is a huge difference for me in terms of, like, where I want to draft and where I don't. Like, there aren't, like, a ton of guys in, like, the first few rounds where I go, like, this guy has to be on every single one of my teams. Like, I just think it's it's too thick with talent this year. So so you even for JT Real Muto, you don't do that? Right? <laughs> no, that. no, not for JT Real Muto. I, I definitely, he would definitely, definitely be Definitely here. not. No. <laughs> oh, man. Um so you mentioned like a lot of your prep is already is already done. Mm -hmm. um, do you um, like as you like let's say you're going to the main, you're going to you know your most important draft on the flight. You're working on you know you know your KDS. You're working on a kind of like the the, the first four rounds, how they might play out, um, how that helps create that puzzle that you're creating. 
Is there any other draft prep that you do like leading up to the, to those drafts in particular, or do you feel like you, you've got a, you're pretty set, you know, when you, when that plane takes off and you head over to the draft? Oh yeah, no, there's definitely some, uh, some draft prep. So, uh, you know, one of the game theory things that I do that I don't think a lot of other people do, uh, in the industry is, um, I do background research on my competition. Ooh, love it. So quick, like, quick, Justin, I'm drafting in the first and second round. Who am I drafting? <laughs> you're going to, you're going to take some pictures. Yes. Uh, and you so, really do do your research. Well, and that's the thing, like, uh, like people, you know, there are, there are some people in the industry that are like, well, I don't listen to other people's podcasts or read other people's stuff because I don't want to be influenced. Uh, and like, I get that argument. I, I don't think it's correct. Like, I don't think you should be doing that. I think you should be getting as much information as you possible especially if you're playing against them in leagues. And so, like, I want every advantage I can. So I actually, you know, nothing really starts for Tout Wars or uh, NFBC, uh, at least for me, until, you know, Saturday. I, I show, I, I leave uh, Thursday night, get there really early Friday morning because there are drafts going on uh, for NFBC all day on Friday, including people who are going to be in my main event league. Yeah. And so I actually last year went and I watched those drafts and I wrote down who, uh, you know, of the people who were going to be in my league the next day, who they were taking. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way I could go, okay, this guy took, you know, Giancarlo Stanton in the third round. So if I want Stanton, I'm going to have to take him, you know, before pick 42. Wow. Justin Mason doing the sneaky research. Mm-hmm. I love it. So, for, for instance, like Tout Wars last year, it was my first year in NL. Uh, and so I went through, like, the last, like, eight years of NL Tout Wars results. And, wow. you know, thank, thankfully, I was able to, like, you know, because it's Tout Wars, people write articles about it. And so I was able to go through and look at, my like, every team that uh, had been drafted by my competition over the course, like, the previous eight seasons. Um, and really kind of, di- you know, digest, okay, Lenny Melnick is not going to pay for closers. And, you know, this person is going to spend, you know, 200 of their $260 budget on hitting. And this person's going to do this. And this per- and that gives me an opportunity to go, okay, now I can start making a plan of what I think will happen, which is, you know, really good prep for what could, what will actually happen. Definitely. So anybody who's listening out there, if you are looking to hire Justin as a private investigator of your fantasy baseball competition in your leagues, what's the going rate on that? Like, what, what is it an hour to do the research for other people of the guys that are going to be in their league? That, that's actually a really good idea. But um, <laughs> that's, that may be totally. one of the parts of me ramping up Friends of Fantasy Benefits next year. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, here's the thing. Like, especially if you're, like, you're in your home leagues or, uh, I mean, even if you're in NFBC leagues, like you get a list of who like the players are and stuff like that. Uh, and if it's possible to find like other people's drafts and things like that, like you should be doing this kind of research. Um, yeah. And if you're playing in a home league, you've got history of how guys are going to act. And a lot of times we know like, okay, this guy's not going to pay for closers. This guy's not going to, uh, you know, pay for starting pitching or this guy's not going to do this. or this guy is going, you know, Oh, I know if I throw out a you know a Yankee right here, he's going to pay like three or four dollars more than you should. Um, so like, like why aren't people doing that when it comes to NFBC drafts or when it comes to industry drafts? Like it's 
to me, it's important to try to get as big of an advantage as you can. For sure. And everybody who's listening as well, like who's in my NFBC league, this, uh, this pocket aces thing is a long con. Yes. It's like, I'm just doing this all leading up to the big drafts and then I'm going to show up and I'm going to wreck. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> as, as, as you're all planning to take pitchers, pitchers mm-hmm. are going to be gone. There's the first 30 pitchers are going to be gone in the first two rounds as a result. Um, I think that's, I do think that that's amazing because it's like, it gets to your kind of uh, part. I mean, not, I don't know if it counts as game theory necessarily, but just like trying to get every advantage that you can from the way that the game is set up. And part of that is knowing who your competition is going to be at the table and what their, um, what their tendencies are. So mm-hmm. I think that's brilliant. And I, and, and I, and I love the fact that um, the listeners are going to hear that because I definitely think that's a part, like think about TGFBI, right? Like TGFBI, most of the people in your league, you just got a list of their Twitter handles, yep. right? Go perusing through those Twindo handles to see who they like, unless you're in my league. Then my yeah. Twitter handle is off limits. It's private until <laughs> February 20th. All, all, yeah, all of a sudden it's protected. For um, sure. For sure. Because I'm in a league with Justin Mason. Mm-hmm. Um, Cool. But it, right. yeah, you should you should be following everybody in your league. Like, uh, like for like in uh, if you're in like a home league and you know your buddy's on Twitter, like you should be following him in case he asks some analyst about like a trade in your league. Like, there, there's nothing. Like, obviously, now like it, it's not you know a thing for me. But like back before I was in you know in the industry and in offering fantasy advice and things like that. Like I would make sure I was following anyone who was in my league on Twitter, uh, and anytime they would ask like some sort of like fantasy question, I would respond to it um, just to <laughs> let them amazing. know. I like the like I I see what you're doing here. I see what you're asking. Like you're not going to get a better trade deal done because you're asking you know Todd Zola what he thinks of the trade offer I just offered you. Oh man, I cannot. I'm gonna. When I when I post the podcast, it's going to be all about Justin Mason, private fantasy baseball investigator. It's going to be all about that. I love it. Uh, when you get your business cards, I want like you know a cut or something like that. Nice, um, cool. Well, let's hop into uh, players that you like and don't like on the podcast. It has been a long time because it's been a while since I did an interview, but we have a, a segment and it's called Fresh Baked Cookies and Hard Cookies. And the reason I say this, and Justin, I hope you agree with me, otherwise the interview's over, but there's nothing worse. You go into a bakery, you're, you're getting a baked good, you see the cookies, they look really good in the window, you, you order the cookie, they look nice and fluffy, they look nice and soft, you pick it up, you put it in your mouth, you bite into it, and it's a hard cookie. That's yeah. like the worst, right? You mm-hmm. want them to be fresh baked, you want them to be soft. So the fresh baked cookies are the three players, and the way I'm going to frame it, just because it's like what is a sleeper these days is three players that you're going to have a significant share of heading into this season. Well, let me start by saying that, uh, don't wrong, love fresh baked cookies, but, okay, uh, the, the family has started doing this thing. We, we go to Costco and we get like the five gallon thing of, you know, cookie dough mm. and you put it in a cast iron skillet and then you bake it in that. And then you do, like, ice cream right on top of it when it comes out. And it That's is heaven. absolute heaven. Holy. You it, are, you're revolutionizing the podcast right now. We're going to have to start calling it, uh, uh, let's see, we would call it 
cast iron grilled cookies yeah, topped with ice cream. It is it is absolutely amazing. So if you've never done this, like it's like imagine a deep dish cookie, like a, it's like a deep dish oh, pizza man. cookie, um, and yeah, it uh, it is it's like one of my favorite things now. Oh, so do you like do you like cover the pan like it's a pie almost? Uh, like I mean, yeah, you you like fill the entire cast iron skillet, like one of the God. deep dish ones, like with just cookie dough. And then you put it in, you let it cook for the amount of time, you check it to make sure it's fully cooked, but like obviously taking it out still, so it's still like a hot, you know, hot baked, you know, soft cookie. And then you, you know, you just hand out a bunch of spoons um, and you let, you let the whole family go to town. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's an experience unlike others. Oh my God. Hey, Justin, you've won. You've won. <laughs> you've won life. It's over. It's yeah. You it's, have one life. That is the that is the most amazing thing I have ever heard in my entire life. It, but, I mean, it was it was an idea of my wife's, uh, and she was like, she's like, I don't know if this is gonna work, but I really want to try it. And I was like, I fully support you in this venture. Oh my god! And she also didn't she make you like uh, Reese's something or other Reese's oh, monkey yeah. bread? Yeah, she made Reese's. Uh, yeah, Reese's monkey bread. So she she made monkey bread. But every ball of monkey bread, she put a, you know, like one of the little Reese's inside of the piece of monkey bread. Um, and it, it was my birthday cake because I'm not really like much of a cake guy. Um, and so, yeah, it was it was probably one of the greatest things I've ever eaten. And, um, yeah, it's it, it was amazing. Well, uh Folks who are listening, um, this is just really this is a this is a groundbreaking podcast you are listening to right now. Um, this is just incredible. Everybody else in the fantasy industry pales in comparison to you. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad I could, uh, you know, break the mold. It's, uh, you know, pretty, okay. you may not like my fantasy advice, but my dessert game is on point. Oh man. And what is there? What is there other than that? Right. I mean, right. my God. Um, yeah, you, you definitely win the overall in the TGFBI dessert competition for sure. Um, so, okay. So if you were to choose, what do you call this thing? This, uh, the cast iron baked cookie with ice cream dinner. dinner. Uh (laughs) So if you were going to, if you were going to, if you were going to, what, what would dinner be your three players that you're having for dinner? All right. Who are Uh, those heading into this year? Look, I mean, Colton Wong, I think is one of those guys, uh, like in a, in a year where everybody is like freaking out about not having stolen bases, and second base being as shallow as it is, uh, though I mean it's not extremely shallow, but it's I think just shallower than the other non-catcher positions. Uh, this is a guy who hit 11 home runs, stole 24 bases, hit 285, and plays amazing defense. Like he's gonna play every day, uh, and at worst, even if he regresses, I still think he's gonna swipe 20 bags and probably get you know pretty close to double-digit home runs. Uh, I just think he is a very, very safe bet that is going way too late. Like, right now, currently going, I think, outside the top 200 uh, on a, in NFBC leagues. So, uh, Colton Wong is going to be on quite a few of my teams, and he was on my Barf League team as well. Uh, another guy on my Barf League team, uh, another middle infielder, uh, is Jorge Mateo. I even told you he was going to end up on my, you, my Barf you, League team. You love Jorge Mateo. Oh. I've, I've, heard you on, I've heard you about Jorge Mateo. I mean, I mean, I understand like people like not wanting to take him because he hasn't played in the majors and things like that. And 
there isn't necessarily like a guaranteed role from him. He's out of options, which means Oakland will either put him on the opening day roster or some other team is going to pick him up through, uh, you know, after he's been DFN. Uh, last year in AAA, hit 19 home runs, stole 24 bases, uh, hit 289. Um, this is a guy that, if there's a guy going outside of uh, the top, like, three or 400 picks that could be a first-rounder, this is it. I mean, he is uh, Trey Turner-esque. Uh, and, like, it's not like Franklin Barreto has done enough to kind of, you know, fend him off, uh, you know, from getting every day at bats. He's a good defender. Uh, he should pick up second base eligibility uh, uh, pretty quickly. So for those people kind of struggling to fill second base, here's another guy that will, you know, pick it up uh, in season. Uh, so Mateo is a guy that, like, I- I've been telling people, he should be your last draft pick in every draft. It just take the shot because worst case scenario in the first month, you know he's not going to do anything. You drop him, you go get the next guy. But uh, his upside is greater than just about anybody going around him. And how does Franklin uh, Barreto feel now that you've spurned him for Jorge Mateo? I mean, I love Franklin Barreto. I actually, like, in all of my DC so far, uh, I've paired the two. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. I remember. I, I know you've loved uh, Barreto for a while. So. Mm-hmm. I, I love Barreto, but they just seem to hate him there. Like yeah, I, it's it's always interesting when guys it feels like they should get a legit shot and they never and they don't get it. Yeah. Know? Well, and like they traded Josh Donaldson for him. Yeah. Like that like <laughs> you traded your franchise player for this kid. Like give him a shot. Um maybe that's they, what it is. They don't want to remind themselves that they did that. <laughs> apparently, that just it just seems so weird. Uh the last guy, uh Mackenzie Gore, another guy I think ended up on my Barth League team. Uh, I think he is going to opening or uh, open the season in the rotation in San Diego, uh, and uh, that's a bold call that I've stolen from my buddy Matt Thompson. Uh, but uh, they did it with Chris Paddock last year. Gore is just as good in advance as Paddock was uh, this time last year. Uh, all this team is missing is a few rotation pieces. Gore could be part of that. I think the uh, San Diego ownership is starting to get a little antsy and, and wants to start winning. And that's where we're starting to see all these moves that they're making. And I think Gore is going to be a huge part of that. Worst case scenario, he's up in three weeks and can be an impact arm uh, on that team. But uh, I think there's a real chance he's he is, you know, like the opening day, like third or fourth starter for San Diego. Awesome. All right. And then on the opposite side, I don't know what the opposite side of, uh, of dinner that consists of cast iron – uh, cookie with ice cream on it or Reese's monkey bread is, but whatever the opposite of that is, who are three players that you're not going to own heading into 2020 based on their draft price? Uh, Steven Strasburg. Like I know he was great in the playoffs and, and actually, you know, really great last year. And when he's on the mound, he's, he's a pretty darn good pitcher. The problem is he has a long history of not being on the mound. And uh, the idea that like, Last year was the first time since 2014 that he actually went, you know, above 175 innings. Um, and we're projecting him to do that again next year, I think is just a bit silly. He, he's not been a guy who's been able to stay healthy. And while I love the skills, uh, I'm with my first starting pitcher, I want someone I feel really comfortable. I'm going to get 180 to 200 really, really good innings. 
Uh, and I just don't trust Steven Strasburg to stay on the mound for that amount of time. All right, who's number two? Hmm. Uh, number two, uh, I'm trying to stay away from – well, I, I, I was going to say Aaron Judge, but I, I think I've talked about him on like four podcasts this week. So uh, I'm going to move on to Jordan Alvarez, which is funny because I took him at AF, AFL. Uh, but I think that's going to be my only share. And that's because you can get his exact same profile and production from Nelson Cruz, like 50 picks later. Yeah. And like, it's as much as I don't care about like filling up my, my utility spot. Cause I really don't like, I, I, I think that is an overrated uh, complaint that uh, fantasy players make. Like don't, don't fill up your util spot early. You're going to need that later. I was like, if you're getting a stud, like, who cares what spot you're filling up? You're getting a stud. Um, that being said, like, and while I think Alvarez will be a stud, like, isn't, like, his upside what Nelson Cruz did last year? So why are we taking him 50 spots higher than Nelson Cruz? And when you, you do take Alvarez, you are pretty much saying you can't take Nelson Cruz because you can't draft two guys who are UT only that really have no shot at picking up other eligibilities in season. Uh, so, I, you know, as much as I love Alvarez, uh, and I'm glad I got the one share, that's probably going to be my only one. Yeah. I actually, I have zero shares total of both of the guys you've mentioned so far. So this is going to be interesting. This third player could be groundbreaking. Mm. Who's it going to be? This is, this is a big one. Uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm looking around and then, and trying to really, oh, uh, well, no. Well, here, here, here's, here's one. Can, can I do one with a caveat? Uh, as long as it's not JT Rail Muto, we're in good shape. Oh, okay. And then I'll, I'll do a different one. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Alberto Mondesi. Here's the thing. If he is healthy, and we know he's healthy heading in to the season, like he's going to start the season on the active roster – He's healthy. He can do all the things he's supposed to do as a baseball player. I think he is a potential first-rounder. That being said, the medical reports are really scaring the hell out of me. And until I see him on the field playing baseball, I want nothing to do with him. Yeah. Yeah, he's a really tough one. He's, I absolutely agree. Like, he, If he plays, he's going to be amazing. He's going to mm-hmm. help a lot of teams win. At the same time, like the shoulder and just the way he, the way he plays, you know, he plays a position where you're going to be diving a bunch. He dives into bases, like it's just such a, it's a huge risk to take that early on. So I also, I also, I do, I only have one mock draft share of Adelberg <laughs> so far, and we won't count that. So you've, uh, you've passed the gauntlet. We we agree on those three players. Um, before we let you go, and thank you very much. You've given a ton of time. We have two quick listener questions that we haven't gotten to. Uh, the first one is from our good friend, Yancey Eaton. Uh, have you ever swam in a pool and not peed in it? Is the first part of the question. Uh, yes, I have swam in a pool and not peed in it because I'm a parent and I'm trying to teach my children not to do awful things. Okay. So I can't like pee in a pool in front of them and be like, don't pee in the pool. Yeah, that you are you you're a great father. So Thanks. I just I want to say that. <laughs> and um and I, I did respond. I, I thought we had talked about this at the barf draft, and you had indicated that you only go pee in hot tubs. 
because it's mm. less detectable. But I guess that's a that was incorrect. I must have uh, of misheard you. Um, and, uh, I, I only pee in the pool when I'm standing on the side of it. There you go. Ooh, that is very strategic. The game yes. theory on that one mm-hmm. is incredible. Um, and then the second question from Yancey is, who is your favorite current non-Giants player? Which I think is a great question from our Um. Oh, God. Uh, Astros only. Astros only. Uh, the guy in center field hitting the trash can. Um, uh, it's probably Walker Bueller. Walker Bueller. Uh, which is a Dodger. It's a Dodger. And like, it just, like I was at his, I want to say it was, it was, I don't know if it was his major league debut or if it was uh, just one of his first uh, appearances. And like, I fell in love, like watching him pitch. And I, I, I luckily had like these seats that were right behind home plate um, that uh, my, my sister uh, work had and no one was going to the game, like on a Wednesday night or something like that. And I got to see him pitch an inning of relief. And, like, I just completely fell in love with, like, the action of his arm and, uh, you know, and his mechanics. And, um, and it, like, I remember, like, texting Matt Thompson. I go, oh, my God, this Walker Bueller guy is going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just, yeah, he's just one of my favorite pitchers to watch. Uh, and I just really enjoy kind of the art of pitching. So that's probably it. Awesome. All right. And then the last question of the evening which has to do your, with your Roto-Wear line of fashion, which everybody should check out, from at Pete My Slash Line, which is a great Twitter handle. Has Justin gotten any funny reaction from strangers while wearing one of his T-shirts out in public? Oh, a ton, all the time, because it's pretty much all I wear in public, uh, it's, uh, it, which embarrasses my wife. Uh, I get a lot of, hey, that looks like you, and I'm like, yeah. it is me. Um, and people think that that's very funny. Uh, people often ask me where they can get their own version of it because they think like, this is something like I've made myself. Um, and like, maybe they can go to a t-shirt, uh, or, you know, website and get their face made onto a bunch of t-shirts. Um, so that, that's a, that's a real common one. Uh, my favorite was when, uh, so my, or my, uh, my youngest, uh, child was born 10 weeks early and was in the neonatal ICU for uh, about 10 or about six or seven weeks. Um, And so I showed up to the hospital wearing these shirts and usually obviously a different one every day. Uh, And the reaction from the nursing staff where like a a group of them would come in every morning into our room just to see what shirt I was wearing. So uh, yeah, I get pretty, uh, pretty uh, funny and strange reactions from people seeing me wear the shirts. Well, let me just say, I really hope that the next RotoWare shirt is your head on top of a cast iron skillet <laughs> filled with cookie dough, because that, uh, that would be absolutely incredible. Um, all right, Justin, before you leave, uh, remind folks where they can reach you. Yeah, you can reach me on Twitter uh, at JustinMasonFWFB uh, or on Facebook. Uh, I've got a public Facebook profile so like anybody can just you know go and, and friend me on facebook and uh communicate with me that way because I'm, I'm always on facebook messenger and things like that uh and i'm on instagram but i don't really do that like i think it's weird but i'm on there so if you want to follow me on instagram i think it's just mason fwfb it's just roto wear t-shirts of justin's face so yeah it's like one of those things where one I, i'm not like 
I'm not the type of person that takes a lot of pictures of myself or just things in general. Um, I'm trying to be better at it being a father, like taking pictures of, pictures of my kids, but I always get in trouble for like not doing that. But then I think it's weird, like people like, can, like just like look at your pictures. Like that's, I don't know, just maybe, maybe it's like the, uh, like I'm right on the edge of being a millennial and what is it, Gen X or whatever. And, and maybe I'm like two Gen X in that regard. That's all right. You va- you value your privacy a little bit. That's all right. Oh, I mean, obviously, I don't. If you've read my Twitter feed, like I, you value I your really... privacy on Instagram, not yes. on Twitter. Yes, my private Instagram of like two hundred followers. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, Justin, thank you so much um, for joining the podcast. It is awesome to have you on. As folks, uh, folks who are listening, please do go and grab that FWFB draft guide. I'm going to do that once we hang up from this interview. Uh, Justin, really, really appreciate all that you do in the fantasy sports industry, fantasy baseball in particular. Um, Thanks so much for joining the podcast. Thanks, Toby. That is going to wrap us up for episode 118 of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much uh, to Justin for joining the show. That really was a ton of fun. I've been meaning to have him on uh, for a long time, and it was awesome just to just to hear a little bit more of the details um, about you know his work in the fantasy sports industry, a little bit about his process, and then just uh, just to have a little fun. So really hope you enjoyed that. There will be some uh, additional interviews coming up. Um, Bubba uh, benched with uh, Bubba and the Bat Flip will be uh, air as usual uh, on Monday. We will be recording that, me and Bubba, the second half of our Outfield podcast, so that should be a lot of fun. In addition to that, I will also be having Vlad Sedler uh, at RotoGut from Twitter on the podcast next Wednesday uh, for another interview, which should be which should also be a ton of fun. Really looking forward to talking to Vlad, especially about JT Real Muto. He's already referred to it as Real Muto Gate, so that should be a lot of fun. A great player Vlad is, um, Justin as well. All right, best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research. Take care and be kind to one another.